notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't know shit, buddy. Yeah. You think we just work in a comic book store for our folks, huh? Actually, I thought it was a bakery. This is just our cover. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Right. Hey, man. Read this. I told you, I don't like horror comics. Think of it more as a survival manual. There's a number on the back. And pray that you never need to call us. I'll pray I never need to call you. Welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is your host, James Kent, and uh, Teal is still unavailable, so I brought in a special guest. He was on the show a little over a year ago, and he's back on the mic to rock my world in the talk of entertainment and things that we can watch from our home, perhaps, Mr. Michael McQuilkin. Are you there, sir? Hello, energy. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday evening. I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast on a Friday evening before, so we'll see if I have the energy by the end of this. Don't play Loverboy, though. <laughs> how are, so how are you? How have you been? I, not I mean, bad. you know, not much has changed in the past year, right? So it's probably pretty standard. No, pretty standard. Uh, things are pretty much the same as, as they were. Not bad, though. I mean, uh, we're in a pretty good state for uh, things to be... Uh, Possibly not bad, although things are, you know, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and I bring this up a little bit uh, on some of the shows, but, you know, I, I live in Vermont and it's the second least populated state in the country. So, mm-hmm. you know, naturally, uh, nobody really wants to come here unless it's ski season. So we we really didn't do too bad with the, the pandemic. And of course, it could always come back, but we had very, uh, very few cases, which sometimes gives people a false sense of security around here. Uh, yeah. I, not Certainly not me. I mean, I'm like, I don't care what you're going to do. But I'm going to wear a mask and try to be as safe as I can. But you, you reside in Massachusetts, where Mm. it was one of the, you know, one of the states that was really a red, red mark for many months and had a lot of issues going on. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not sure what your experiences were like during that time. And, you know, if you you made it through okay, or did you have anybody that, you know, was hospitalized or anything? We, no, uh, on on a, um, in my immediate circle, everyone's. Fine. We had uh, some clients who I, I do IT during the day. That's my uh, Bruce Wayne identity. And then they uh, uh, a couple of clients that actually passed away uh, from from COVID. Uh, oh, it's horrible. And we have some. Um, this is a great way to start the podcast. Well, you know, do you look, want numbers? Really, I'll give you numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I think that you know, it's hitting home. And sometimes it's you know, everybody's situation is different. It's true. And. 
you know, again, we, we, this is, sometimes I feel like it's almost silly to be talking about, uh, movies when there's a lot of, ser- you know, important and serious things happening. And I think this is just a way to remind it that I don't forget for one second that people might be going through, you know, various challenges, mm-hmm. whether it had been affected by the virus in a healthcare related way or a job related way or have somebody. And so, you know, it can be hard out there. And for me, the hardest thing is that I don't get to go do my national pastime, which is go to the movies in the summer, you know? I know. Um. This is, yeah, this is this is the time. Yeah. And I know we, we mentioned uh, drive-ins too. So the kind of resurgence maybe, I don't, I don't want to say the second or third coming of drive-ins, but but they're- uh, Well, that's what's a weird thing, right? Yeah. We have, our town is not a big town. There's a city there attached, but in Vermont, a city is still a small town in other places. Sure. And- the the local theater and i'm talking like performance art theater in the downtown they can't open and they came up with this idea that the fairgrounds up the road it's not being used and the fair can't happen this year so why not set up a drive-in screen and mm-hmm. show some movies and they did and like their first couple of shows sold out oh that's great yeah, and they're you know they're showing retro screenings of what they can get you know things like Greece and uh, I think they're going to show Dazed and Confused in a few weeks which you know I'm half tempted to go out and see what that's all about. That's a good outdoor movie to see. There's a lot of like drinking in the forest and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And Anchorman they're going to show. I mean you know like stuff that will hopefully get a crowd going to the, the to the drive-in and see it. I love it. They, they uh, the Kowloon down here and the famous Kowloon and Route One. That's right. They were going to do that. They stacked. Three or four storage containers and threw what looks to be um, uh, a giant sheet in front of it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's pretty, pretty. That's that's what they did. And uh, uh, but it's 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 quaint. Have you been? I uh, we so we went there to have a mai tai outside. Okay. It was a strangest. It was sort of like it's sort of like a bell went off in the the in the prison yard, and then everybody <laughs> came out with the table like twenty feet away from each other, sat down and and uncomfortably had a a drink with like an umbrella in it, and just looked at each <laughs> looked left and right suspiciously for about a half an hour. So it wasn't the most enjoyable experience, but I mean, there was something nice about being outside. Yeah, it's, just, it's getting to do an activity. And I think sometimes sure. we miss that is that in the summer, you know, some people have these amazing summers and some people just, you know, have a summer, but you always kind of use those weekends or maybe a nice summer night to do an activity. And we really or can't to go somewhere. Yeah. Just go somewhere. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it's uh, just a little aside because you mentioned the Kowloon restaurant, which is in, um, <laughs> was it Saugus, Massachusetts? Saugus, yes. Okay. Yeah. I had my very first date with my wife at the Kowloon. It was a blind date. That's a great place for a first date. Yeah. And so one, I love it. Yeah, one year later on our anniversary, our first anniversary, we got engaged there. That's fantastic. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, there's a lot you don't know. <laughs> and Tell a, me everything. And there's a lot I don't know about you, but maybe by the end of this podcast, I will find out the answers to my burning questions. <laughs> I'm hermetically sealed, but you tell me everything. <laughs> um, okay, so this is going to really sound strange. It's a really weird, strange segue, but I got to get it off my chest. I want to take us back into the 70s a little bit, right? You mentioned drive-ins. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, there's this thing that bothers me. And it's been bothering me. And now I'm I'm burdening this on you to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read many, many articles over the years that talk about the state of movies and where they are today, which it doesn't take into account the pandemic, which might change movies forever. But the lamenting of how these big blockbusters that Hollywood was never the same after yeah. Jaws in 1975. Mm-hmm. And I fully disagree with that. 
it's not it's not like it was a switch that went off i know it's it's presented like that a lot like oh when jaws came out the game changed and that was well it. that's the thing so it's like well when do they think if they think that jaws kind of ushered in this new wave when do they think that that was supposed to have happened right because the next year right so what people don't I, and i think a lot of the reviewers they're younger than us they, there's this sort of mystique that the summer movie season was always a season and it was filled with you know various blockbusters but they just got more blockbustery right like saturday morning cartoons that lasted for three months yeah that's not the case though because jaws what it was meant to be was something for the drive-ins yeah and they tried a new strategy where well you know we'll try to make a lot of money off at opening weekend and we're going to lease it into 400 theaters which was unheard of at that time yeah um because you know the multiplexes a multiplex was something that had four screens that was a multiplex back in 1976 and 75 they yeah. didn't have like 20 screen theaters so uh just to release something in 400 screens that was a big deal but then you would think well that was such a hit the following year right in the summertime we're going to release all our goodies well i have up in front of me i have the boston globe oh from june 25th 1976, a Friday, which if we know is the day that the movies change and when the new movies come out. Mm. I'm going to tell you some of the selections that were playing the hot summer movies <laughs> that summer at the Great Burlington Mall Twin Theater. Long wow. departed. You had uh, the classic, uh, I think Peter Falk was in it, um, but also James Coco and Elsa Lancaster, Murdered by Death. Murder by death. Yep. And the opposite, there was always a kid's movie in the summers in the 70s, and it was always a Disney favorite, Peter Pan. Mm. (laughs) And it was a double feature with the horse with the flying tail. What? Which one was that? I don't know, but that's what was playing with it. Maybe it was a cartoon. Um, So over at Mm. Woburn, which was, of course, the big multiplex, it was the Woburn 1, 2, 3, and 4. That was a great one. They only had four screens back then, not the like 20 that they have now. And playing there was the super popular summer hit, That's Entertainment Part 2. Oh, I loved it. I'd see it on TV, though. (laughs) And Tunnel Vision, of course, with Chevy Chase, the Mm -hmm. unknown talent at the time. uh, Burning up the the TV screens was Saturday Live, which is probably the reason it was released. But that's not really what you think of as a summer movie. No. Then there was also the Charlton Heston Henry Fonda uh, war classic Midway. Huh. Some 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 theaters were showing it in sense around. <laughs> and then you had okay, one film that did become the legitimate hit of that summer, The Omen. Hmm. Yes. And but the drive-ins were everywhere. So here's what was playing at the Blue Hills Canton Drive-in where each car load was $3.50. Earthquake and at dusk, Airport seventy five. Oh, that's such a fun night. That'd be great. <laughs> I know. I really. Those are kind of blo- yeah. Those those would sort of fit into that mold a little bit, right? Yeah, Just but that's what they're blocking. But, that, but remember, these are second run at that point. So these were right. things that came out in the winter. Now at the Chelmsford Twin Drive-in, which I spent an enormous amount of time as a child, and yeah. I might have literally, literally have gone this very weekend to the drive-ins because I'm pretty sure I saw this combination: Peter Pan and Escape to Witch Mountain. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that sounds like uh, even I think they might have done that on a Disney Sunday night movie, like a double bill. That sounds like that exact uh, combo. Yeah. I was a little too young for the PG assortment across the other uh, side of the drive in, which was the classic double feature. Eat my dust and crazy mama. 
<laughs> oh, Jaws, you really ruined cinema <laughs> when you have Eat My Dust and Crazy Mama. Right. Exploitive. Yeah, and at Somerville, right? There used to be two theaters in Somerville. There was the, the Somerville Theater that we, we, you know, we know and love. That's still, still there. there. Yeah, and that was playing Robin and Marion. Mm, which one was that? Exactly. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, Audrey Hepburn was in it, and Sean Connery. Oh, the, the uh, you ever that see the, that? You never? No, I don't think so. Is I had the, to see the, the Robin the, Hood I mythos. Saw, yeah, I saw it at the drive-in yeah. once. It was like I remember I wanted to see whatever the second film was, so we went, and I was like, I have to see this Robin and Marion, and I didn't even know who Sean Connery was, but my dad was all excited about it, and yeah. I remember thinking, okay, this wasn't abysmal. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then there was a theater in Somerville called the Broadway, and that was playing Robin and Marion. It was a double <laughs> double hit of Robin and Marion in Somerville. Sean Connery was a draw. He's he's charismatic. Now you you at the, were you in Medford then or were you Malden Malden I don't we had the Malden. Granada Theater in Malden it's not listed here so uh, perhaps that would have been in the Herald um, but sure. Medford Square yeah. was playing uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest Bad News Bears and Blazing Saddles Medford Square was a tiny one so it's yeah. the building's still there it's just a tiny little hallway I think we talked about this but the uh, uh, I saw a lot of movies there but it was tiny it's probably the equivalent of like. Some like you know a friend with a seventy inch TV in their living room now. <laughs> now then. you must have got, like. Do you remember because there was the there was the Wellington drive-in right, and that was a three drive-in. That was a three screen drive-in. Yeah, that uh, where you could you could see the movies over the bridge. And I uh, used to yeah, I used to love that if you went there, you could kind of like if your movie hadn't started yet, you could easily watch whatever's playing next to you. Let me give you a quick aside about some long term trauma as a direct result of that phenomenon that was maybe not unique to that place, but I experienced <laughs> it. I tell me. So we went we went to see we lived at that one. That's where I saw Empire Strikes Back. That's where I saw the first Star Wars. That's where I saw uh Holy Moses, not in the same category, but that's what I saw. Uh I think we saw Holy Moses uh for some reason. And then um on the other screen, I think this is the same year, but on the other screen was a movie called Friday the 13th. Oh, what is what is that? Tell me about that one. So there's no, I don't know if you, for, for the listeners, a drive-in doesn't have walls between the screens. So I'm seeing something, I've never, obviously at the age I was, I've never seen anything shot so darkly and was so foreboding and weird. Uh, the Kevin Bacon stuff was all bright and goofy, but but they, but still, it's it's it, this there's there's a dread coming off the screen, and especially uh, against the night sky, it's even darker. So you can't you just you're drawn to it to see what's in the darkness, like little something coming through the woods or, or whatever. So I'd go back and forth to get more tinfoil hamburgers or whatever I was getting from. <laughs> you're like, Dad, give me another dollar because I just right, gotta right. get. Why are you so <laughs> hungry tonight? I need more sugar to watch the rest of Holy Moses. What a waste of money if I don't see the end of this. So so then I so I'd go back and forth and I told my brother who was a year younger than me I'm like you I don't know what's going on over there but it doesn't even look like a movie it looks like <laughs> like something's about to happen. So we go back and forth. So the last time I do it I look I, I look towards our car I lost sight of my car for a second and then I look to the right just as Jason's mother at the end spoiler alert uh, gets her head chopped off and she falls back into the lake <laughs> but her arms are still moving and I mean, I was frozen in spot. It was that. Uh, it, it, it was that. It was that Zoom poll thing that they do with the Steven. You know, Steven Spielberg popularized it, invented. But uh, I was frozen. The and, Hitchcock tear. Right, the Hitchcock tear. And I, I, I and and I I, uh, I was 
terrified and speechless the whole night. For at least six years after that, I had night terrors of a headless lady in a Victorian dress chasing me around. Not just nightmares, night terrors, uh, where I'd, I'd, I'd be in the dream, I'd find myself in the dream, and I'd be in school, but it would be empty, right? So I'd have that sort of the, the similar feeling of dread, like, why am I in school? And it was during the day. But then where, whenever there would be a red light, I don't know if that corresponds to what was on the screen, but that this is just part of the dynamics of my, my night terrors. Uh, whenever I'd see a red light, I'd hear thumping, like a, <laughs> like and it would, this increasing thumping. I'd, look, I'd turn just to see the you know the, this headless lady in a Victorian dress, hold, you know, holding a dress and running towards me at some kind of superhuman speed and screaming. And that's where I'd wake up. I'd wake up sometimes standing in the kitchen. I'd wake up sometimes you know in the living room, sitting oh on the God. couch. But I, I'm telling you, for five or six years until I confronted this this thing i would wake up in the middle of the night in just cold sweats and a silent scream and i tell my friends this for, for like they, they know about it but it's sort of I, I mean i've drawn pictures of this thing i've tried to you know just figure out what what it was and now i know it's an amalgam of that night and the uh legend of the um the lady in black from george's island which is a legend i heard around the same time i think it's just sort of a mishmash of those but uh that this is that's a tremendous um <laughs> that, that you had this story because right. How I first saw the two, the first two Friday the 13th movies was at the very same drive-in. The no! Wellington. Yes. They, they, <laughs> yes. Uh, Please tell probably, me you were there the same night. <laughs> There's no way to prove it. It probably was not because you probably were, were there when the first Friday the 13th was making its rounds at the drive-ins. Right. Obviously, yeah. a year or two later, hey, what tastes better than Friday the 13th part one <laughs> or two is the both together. What a great drive-in double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it sounds like your parents were probably like, my parents. There are yeah. movies that the whole family would never be caught dead together at the uh, the multiplex. They're mm -hmm. not going to take me to some rated R movie there, even though my dad sometimes took me to some horror movies. But, you know, there's a little bit of embarrassment, kind of like, why are you being those parents? Mm -hmm. However, at the drive-in, it was there was a, it was a no-shame experience. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared. You could take kids. You could, no, nobody cared. So they tended to take us to the horror movies when they were at the drive-ins. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have to take much convincing to get them to like, don't, don't you see? Friday the 13th, part one and two. It's a double feature. We, we get can the see full them story. <laughs> yeah, we don't even, yeah, right. Part three hadn't even been out yet. So, <laughs> so okay, they they take us to see these movies. And I don't, I don't know anything about it. I just knew it was Friday the 13th. I didn't know nothing about the legend of Jason. I didn't no. really know the story. So we watched this thing. And I really wasn't finding it very scary or anything. You know, I mean, you know. I, I'd seen a lot of horror movies. Mm. So the ending comes and there's the sequence where it looks like she was all fine and then she's on the boat. Right. And none of my family, we knew nothing that was going to come. That's a great scare. When Jason jumps out of the water and grabs her, uh -huh. the whole family <laughs> jumped up at once that the car literally shook and almost tipped over. My dad was so scared. I think he threw popcorn up. Yeah. And it was so much fun because... You know, we would just, it was just to have that kind of scare. And then, of course, they replay that scare, the second one. And part of me, Mike's like, oh no, I'm going to have to see that thing come out mm -hmm. of the water again. So, anyways, I didn't find it was really that scary. And I was like, ha, 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 I can see these movies. <laughs> no big deal. So, I go to sleep that night, huh? get home, you know, and everything's fine. I walk suddenly out of my room, like maybe a half hour, and I'm breathing like super heavy. And I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't mm. breathe. I didn't say it was because I was scared or whatever. Obviously, what was happening is I had a panic attack. 
Yeah, the t- chest tight tightness. And, yeah, and, I yeah, didn't know yeah. what it was. And of course, mm-hmm. it was years later before I even recognized what it was. It was a panic attack. And mm-hmm. something about that movie, it like induced a panic attack. And I think that's what the whole thing about horror movies are that people like my, my kid, he loves to watch some of them now and we let him because, you know, he's like 12. But he doesn't find them usually very scary. Scary, And I say, yeah. it's not about how you find them when you're watching them. It's about the after effect a lot of times. Right. The lingering effects. The, yeah. the, right, the night the, terrors. <laughs> the walking in the instance, middle of like, how did I get here? Right. I'm in the kitchen <laughs> and I'm in a sweat. I, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't... Uh, you didn't say that you uh, uh, you walked out of your room and then you, you saw a fl- uh, disembodied head just floating there. <laughs> yeah, she didn't scare me as much. No. I love that twist. So I actually, as a kid, you know, you're a different critic as a kid mm-hmm. than your adult. I thought that Friday the 13th was a great story. <laughs> I didn't revisit it until much later. I mean, I re- well, I would revisit in, in the yard because we were a bunch of, you know, we were a bunch of latchkey kids in, in, in Malden. Where, and we had a big yard where they just say, go out in the, you know, especially during the summer, just go out in the yard and come back when it's dark. That was yeah. it. So we went out in the yard and we'd have all these neighborhood kids. We had a nice big yard for whatever reason. It had nothing to do with affluence. We just had a, it's just the way it was cut up before, you know, when they, when they split it back in the day. So, you know, it was a big fun square yard with some trees you could put stuff in. So we, we'd all play Relivio and, and just meet up. And, but we'd also come and compare movie experiences and there's a lot of kids that would come in with apocryphal information about movies because like <laughs> they had they had less responsible parents than than even mine uh so 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 they would like hey i saw the warriors it's like what are you talking about you didn't see the warriors you couldn't get into the warriors it's like yeah did you hear a guy really died when they filmed it <laughs> yeah there was always that older kid who sounds yes. so wise and they always had yeah. some crazy yes. story yeah. and you were supposed to trust them because they were like two years older than you which seemed like 20 right right so by the time I actually saw the whole thing of Friday the 13th, it was not the movie that I thought it was going to be. It, was, uh, it wasn't bad. I, the first one I thought was actually pretty good and, and clever. And the performance by the uh, uh, the actress who played the mother was... Um, Betsy Palmer, right? Wonderfully twisted, like yeah. really good and nuanced. Like, you know, she really put a lot into that, you could tell. Um, uh, and very effective, like a big twist. And I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's a good movie and not, I mean, it's diminishing it's fun, returns, let's say. <laughs> sure. But yeah. And especially now that it's such like a, it's considered such like a tentpole of slasher films for whatever reason, whether it's deserved or not, because all the stuff that came after it is, you know, it's still, it's, it's part of the same vomit. <laughs> that came out. My dad and my sister and I, we went and saw Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D at Three Woodburn. was fun, right? Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, then, of course, yeah, I was a big Fangoria guy, and I was like, I can't wait sure. to watch what Savini does with Part 4, the final chapter. Right. And so, you know, I got my mom to take me and my friend uh, Bobby to go see it. And then, of course, had to see uh, the Part 5, which was the new blood, which was like, this isn't even a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, I had to see Part 6, and I think I saw it all the way up to where Jason takes Manhattan, which was so bad. We had a great time at the theater because it's such, we went, we watched it and enjoyed it ironically because it's such a ridiculous oh, grab. Yeah. He, I mean, he's in Manhattan for about four minutes. Oh, that's the best part, right? It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, and it's all the super grainy footage and right. it's, it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you, now we're still in the 70s now. So, okay, so 76, nothing happened. Clothes are so itchy. 
<laughs> yes. So 77, you'd think, okay, well now, now uh, they're going to be on the Jaws train. But but you'd mm-hmm. be surprised. I don't have that page open, but I did look at it a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, that's the summer of Star Wars. Now, Star yeah. Wars could legitimately say that might have changed things because it was became a, such a popular hit. However, uh, those who know their, their lore know that studio thought that Star Wars was going to be a dog. And that's mm-hmm. why they were releasing it in the summer because they thought maybe they, the kids will be out of school soon and we can get a few bucks. And they couldn't get studios to play it. And when it opened, it only opened in a handful of theaters. And what a lot of people don't realize, because they just must have assumed as soon as June started, it was playing everywhere. It wasn't. It didn't start playing the suburbs until after the 4th of July. It was playing only in Boston and out in like Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know about the movie while I was still in school that year. It wasn't until after the 4th. And now I realized because it had come to the suburbs that my dad said, oh, we're going to take you guys to see this movie. Yeah. So then you'd think, okay, well, 1978, that's when they're going to get with the program. And I think that's (laughs) when they sort of did. So people think about Jaws, but it wasn't Jaws. It was Jaws 2. They released Mm -hmm. that for the summer of 78, and it was actually a huge box office hit. Mm -hmm. And they also released another sequel that year. Also a big hit, Rocky Two. Right, Rocky II. So it was the sequels to these mm-hmm. movies that started a trend of, hey, we can get a lot of people at summertime. We can make it sort of an event. So I think it took a couple of years and sequels to popular movies before you really started to see the summer season congeal into what became the 80s, where the summer movie season was really a season. I mean, that was probably a research period, right? Because I'm sure they didn't know what even happened, right? Exactly. I mean, so it, it's sort of like, you know, Disney saying, oh, we can do, we can do a Star Wars, and they then they pull out the black hole, which is, I think, a beautiful movie. When did that come out? Was that 77? Uh, 79. 79, okay. So that's after Well, you know, Disney that, was yeah. in a lot of trouble. They, they, they yeah, were yeah, actually, they were almost a bankrupt studio because they just, yeah. if, if you want to talk about the old movie studio yeah. system, so the 70s, all those films that, uh, you know, we grew up on and we sort of cherish, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're real schlocky as far as they were put together in their back lots, questionable special effects meant just for kids and parents that had to bear them mm-hmm. with the kids. And what was really fascinating, there's one movie that I, I swore up and down growing up that it had to have been released in theaters by Disney and I just somehow missed it and caught it on The Wonderful World of Disney but that's not true it was a movie that maybe they thought wasn't even good enough at theaters so they only showed it on The Wonderful World of Disney was this film from 1978 that I was obsessed with called Child of Glass Child of Glass and the only reason that it kind of came up in my memory now is I thought that maybe Disney Plus would show it. And when we got Disney Plus, it was one of the first things I searched for. It's the first thing I searched for. And they didn't have it. I'm like, no. oh, come on. They, they've got all the Dexter Riley. Right. Apple Duckling Gang returns, but no child of class. Yeah. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. But what about <laughs> lead and cold feet? Come on. Yeah, the Don Knox collections there. <laughs> yeah. But Child of Glass, which is the one that I really looked forward to seeing yeah. again. Yeah. And then you posted something on your Facebook page where there was a gal who's kind of obsessed with these Disney movies. Mm -hmm. She posted a YouTube review, a very thorough review and enthusiastic, by the way, of Child of Class. And it made me really want to watch the movie again. Uh, She does a a YouTube channel called Every Disney Movie, and she goes through every single Disney movie, I think, in order. And it just came, I found it just by looking for Child of Glass on, on YouTube. And it turns out the whole thing is on there. <laughs> the whole movie. I was just looking at Eclipse. I feel like I would 
be cheating to watch it that way. I know that's just my own picadillos, right? Was I am typically that way too. It was impossible for me to not sit down and watch it when I found when I just saw that I saw the runtime of like one hour and 28 minutes. I'm like, that's the whole movie. I have to sit down and watch this thing because I honestly had not seen anything but stills. And for a while, you probably thought it was something that was like in your weird nightmare sweat dreams. Right. right. Is this where the headless lady came from? (laughs) That little blue ghost girl (laughs) from the Bayou Swamp. Yeah, the Frere Jacques. Oh, see, now you're scaring me. So there was something weird and kind of creepy about that movie, right? Right. At least for an eight-year-old kid. This is what Disney did right, especially in the in the late sixties, early seventies, or all through the seventies. They had uh, they were pretty brazen about giving people supernatural scares, like be that witchcraft or or afterlife or ghosts or some sort of demonic thing. They didn't. They they thought the idea of giving kids a good scare and how they defined good was just like really just kind of it would be abject terror if like you were, it was presented right in front of you they were confident that like we know how to scare kids as long as there's some sort of like triumph over it but i mean but the and the real peril that they put these kids through through some of these movies is legit i mean there are murderers chasing after these kids i don't know much about that movie anymore because it's been since i was a kid that i saw it is that dark thing. It's dark and and it is at times uh, genuinely and unexpectedly moving. Uh, it is it is it is sad. It is it, it, there's like class system stuff going on in there. Yeah, and kids having to kind of get together to solve a mystery, right? And that, that's always that's something that like yeah, I think we look for nostalgia now. Everybody kind of points to Goonies right. or whatever, but what we're really pointing to is we love those sort of movies where kids have to band together to kind of solve an adult mystery or something it's funny you mentioned goonies i i enjoyed goonies because it was the thing to do we hadn't seen it but it's just we hadn't old we hadn't oh for sure and we hadn't seen anything like that in in a while and it had already been done better i think in this era of of kind of disney films with you know the the 70s where it is a bunch of kids you know under their own recognizance just trying to solve a mystery or just outside of the parental gaze where where they're sort of like straddling that world of like a young adult and child where they you know they do, they're, they're keeping everything at bay from becoming a full-fledged adult for as long as for one more mystery right for one more mystery we can just we can stay kids and we can we can believe in the supernatural we can you know we can put the we can find the missing doll and give it back to the ghost and her soul be able to to rest finally and i'll have done that with my friend down the street who's actually going to be a future love interest and probably my wife but uh <laughs> yes, we're not so gonna that, worry about and right that now. <laughs> girl is the one who played violet in uh, that's right violet Beauregard, yeah yeah in the uh, willy wonka there and then uh-huh. of course the ghost girl is uh, i was kind of obsessed with her as she was an 80s actress olivia Barish and she was in Repo Man, so I always knew her. Right. Yeah. yeah look at me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Olivia Barish, people. I love. I have to go and check out Repo Man again and watch it through that <laughs> yeah, lens. Yeah, she was uh, Otto's love interest. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yes. boy. <laughs> yeah, she was involved with uh, the United uh, Fruitcake Outlet. But yeah, so that was a great movie at the time. I'd love to see it. So you know, Disney Plus. I know you're listening. <laughs> Please. I, know, I actually kind of want to like reach out to that girl and like have her come on the show. But I think I'd be intimidated because I think she'd blow me away with her knowledge of Disney lore. Or it's something that she just doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> like I don't I'm know. Done with this. I'm done. Right. I'm, it's, it's, That's right. another life. I'm really into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't even know how we segue from those seventies now, but uh, you know, I, I want to mm. go, maybe we'll be, I don't know. Maybe we'll end up just talking about the seventies and the eighties, but I kind of wanted to bring in a new movie to the equation. Sure. Um, Only because I've been excited that anything new is being 
provided to me when I can't go to the movie theaters. And mm-hmm. uh, lately, there's been a few films that I kind of feel like, yeah, you know what? Watching this, I could imagine it having lived in the movie theaters, seeing it with a crowd and enjoying it. That's sort mm-hmm. of like my bellwether test is whether or not this movie just belonged on the small screen or could it have lived as a big screen experience. Mm-hmm. And Hulu had something that I guess was a hit at Sundance at the beginning of the year, which feels like 20 years ago. And it was slated to be a, a theatrical release, maybe in the summer, a comedy, and it was called Palm Springs. I had never heard of it until it showed up on Hulu. And so I looked at what it was about. It sounded funny. And my wife and I watched it and uh, I thought it was pretty pretty good. Are you an Andy Samberg fan? Uh, I mean, you know, I like him. I used to watch him on Saturday Live and watched some seasons of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but not in yeah. many years. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but I don't think he's not, he's not really made a good transition to film. Yeah, it's, it's, he's one of those guys like like Steve Martin, where it's going to be, it's going to take a while for me to really believe that you can do anything but walk onto a screen and, and project something funny about to happen. You know what I mean? It's, a, <laughs> yeah. and I don't mean to, I don't mean that no, to be I diminishing know. because I, and I, especially with Steve Martin, because he, but Steve Martin had to work very hard to strip, I think, that part or at least prove to people, you know, Roxanne was kind of a transitional movie for him where he could, you know, there's still, still comedic, but he was trying to do a serious sort of Cyrano de Bergerac thing and then. Yeah, and I really liked that movie. That's, I really liked it too, yeah. It was kind of forced down our throats in school because as a reference to like, hey, this is how we can get him to learn about Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> like we've never heard of Cyrano de Bergerac. This will do it. This, this, this is my quota for the year. Did you see that movie that he did with Rashida Jones where they were a married couple, but they were having a hard time getting divorced? Oh, I, no, I had not seen it. I, it's I did, actually I did pretty it. good, but it's it's a, one of those roles where it's not necessarily a comedy role for him. There's a little right. bit more on the drama side. So, you know, it was sort of like him trying to tip, put the put the toes in the cold water of uh, other things and silly comedies because, you know, he didn't do well with that. Uh, what was the one where he was the stunt, the kid on the stunt bike or whatever? I love Hot Rod. Right, but, it, but he didn't <laughs> do well with it. I'm just saying. That was, it, a, that was a Will Ferrell. No, it didn't. That bombed. It, uh, that, uh, that was a Will Ferrell uh, vehicle. And when he couldn't do it, they said, oh, well, there's something Are, are you it. serious? No, see, <laughs> yes. it would have been funnier because Will Ferrell would have been too old to be the character. So yeah, so that, that yeah, would have been funnier. added layer of comedy to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like my favorite story there, the original casting, do you ever remember there was a Farrelly Brothers movie where like Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear were played like- Tied to You or something. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was not very Stuck funny. on You, stuck right. on You, yeah. yeah. But did you know who the original casting was supposed to be? <laughs> no. It was supposed to be, I think, Woody Harrelson and Woody Allen. <laughs> And Woody Allen was supposed to have gotten like the weird jeans. That's pretty funny. And that would have been hilarious. That would have been really funny. Because <laughs> that's, see, that's comedy. Just having two people that are like just stuck together isn't funny. But having co-doing twins, but one of them's like 40 years older than you. That's funny. pretty funny. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes casting <laughs> is everything. Uh, but I did like another movie that bombed that Andy Samberg did that I thought was funny when I watched it, you know, on, uh, on demand was... Uh, pop star never stop popping or yeah. whatever mm-hmm. that was that, that had a lot of laughs that's the whole crew that's the lonely island crew a lot of them there yeah i like their lonely island classics logo at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. that, that does crack me up their reference is surprise like it's i thought that they i thought they were just when they first started on snl i figured they were just driving off of this sort of like shorthand energy that friends have where they can sort of like amplify the comedy of the moment just because of their connection right uh but yeah. uh, not to minimized their 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 natural talent otherwise but um it's nice to see 
them all together and, and uh, just to see like the references they can throw in sometimes uh, are really kind of far reaching and clever. So they're, they're, they're pretty talented guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I don't know. I mean, the, the guy who directed it may be involved with them, but his guy's name is Max uh, Barbacow and it's his first feature film. He's done a lot of shorts. Oh, no. And then there's a guy who wrote it is Andy Sierra. I don't know him either. So I, I, I don't know what their connection is to the Lonely Island crew, but they, the, the Lonely Island people are somehow involved. Yeah, it's it, it's the, the the three, it's the band members. Those are all the Lonely Island guys. Yeah. And I, I thought that they wrote and directed it. I guess no. No, unless, unless for some reason they took their name off it. They're so much less talented than I thought they were. <laughs> No. Okay, so one hand, you know, you got this trope there that's like uh, the Groundhog's Day. It's a, it's an idea that you feel like, oh, once that's been done, it can't ever be done again without it being, you know, a retread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet there's been several things. Sometimes they take the genre and they put it to more of like a sci-fi spin. I'm thinking about the uh, Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Is that what it's called? Yeah, or uh, right, uh, Live, Die, Repeat. They yeah, which was the better so. title, and I don't understand I how the marketing- so yeah. department screwed that up but like uh, like it works like I love the idea the one also where they take Jake Gyllenhaal and make him kind of go in through the same day to, to solve a problem on the train oh on the train yep yep Yep. Right. So you know you have it's like the idea is so easy. It's like you gotta keep doing it until you get it all right. This movie is the same kind of concept, or at least you think so at it at its start, but it does something that I thought was interesting where when you take Groundhog's Day at the very end Bill Murray's doing all these amazing things because he's been there, you know, for years and he gets it all right. Well, here it starts off with Andy Samberg. He's been there for years and he does it all right. And it doesn't matter. He can't get out of the time loop. Right. That to me starts a new fascinating thing because now he's a guide for someone else who gets into the time loop. And so I think that they have some interesting stuff. What? Well, he's sort of a guide, I guess. I mean, but, you know. At first, well, he presents himself as a guide. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I don't want to give away. Like, this is a movie where I just want to, like, people to know this is what happens. It's funny. I don't want to tell all the great stuff that happens. There may be some. So maybe just a warning that there may be some accidental spoilers, but I don't think it's our intention to reveal any of the twists uh, and surprises, which there are many. Unintentional twists for you, the listener. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you have Hulu, I guess, or, or mm-hmm. you have nefarious means to see these things. I have Hulu. It's official. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what what drew you to watching it? Just because it happened to be on and you heard about it or what? I had heard about it. Uh, it was uh, suggested to me by uh, several people, all of which have drastically different tastes in movies. So the first Ooh. person, it was very, it was a very, uh, very uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears type situation where the first <laughs> person was, uh, I would never listen to a movie suggestion for you from you, but thank you so much for your suggestion. Oh, I get you. Yeah. And then the other person was, uh, are we are way too close in connection to everything that we love? Uh, but for some reason, I don't, I don't know the way you're describing this. It just sounds like, like the, they were the hype machine for it. And I right. hate seeing things in the, in the maelstrom of the hype machine where it, it's just going to, the expectations are doomed to be. Because afterwards you're like, why did they think it was that great? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do they use only superlatives to describe this movie? There are those people that get very excited yeah. because they want to be the first person to tell you how amazingly awesome right. something was. <laughs> Yeah, right. The, the first, like the the comment, the comment sections with the that had that first phenomenon. First, I always find that you know whenever I make the mistake of trying to to, to bang the drum for something, and I decide mm-hmm. to post something positive on Facebook, like this is great movie, never fails. That's yeah. when I get all the boo birds come out and say. <laughs> Oh, that was horrible. You like that? I'm like, I can't win. I'm going home. I'm going I'm to call cave. them boo birds from now on. I love <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> you know, and then I have to be careful not to be that boo bird myself when somebody else is like all excited about something. I'm like, that piece of crap. 
you, do you feel like you filled that role a lot in the past where you were, you would um, not pull your punches when you talk, when someone brought up something that you absolutely had the opposite opinion of uh, movie wise? Yeah. I mean, you know, for years I've had battles with my mom's boyfriend. We have complete opposite tastes. He, he, he's, I call like Joe popcorn. He likes, you know, he likes the stuff that the mass media loves. I mean, he's sure. a guy, he goes to the Mar. like every, I didn't look at, I know I'm not a big Marvel guy. Others mm-hmm. are, there's varying degrees, but he goes to the marathons. Like if they're going to show 20 <sighs> Marvel movies, he buys yeah. the ticket and goes to those and thinks they're the most brilliant movies ever. So if he says, oh, this movie is really great. I, I'm like, he's the guy that I'm very skeptical of. Like you said, you have some people that they say, oh, you got to see this movie. It's great. I'll be like, hmm, okay. He's your, he's your filmic canary in a coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> I need a few other opinions before I'm ready sure. to take that leap. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, when I was obsessed with movies, beyond I, I just couldn't shut up like if i liked a movie sure. I, I i had to find any excuse in a conversation to bring up this movie that i thought was so great you know like especially when we're younger we we either struggle to articulate why we love this movie and to sort of duplicate the experience in words to, so that others will you can share in that feeling with other people uh, other people or you could like a lot of critics you can just basically uh you're just showing off you know, your, uh, some sort of film knowledge or whatever, or, or some sort of pedigree. So, you know, you only like the most exclusive thing or, or whatever. That, like this, I think that the struggle to articulate why you really love a movie and to share that experience with other people is totally fine. But, you know, the, the, I think that's that's the right approach, you know, and I don't and I never pulled my punches on that stuff either. Like I do the same thing when I couldn't stand a movie and it, not that I wanted to prove the other person wrong. I just had to like share my experience of how much I couldn't stand that movie necessarily. But, yeah. But, I mean, if you came to me and said, James, you've got to watch this movie with Deborah Winger called The Sheltering Sky. It's amazing. I would uh-huh. pull no punches in telling you that I thought it was the most <laughs> abysmal film experience of my life. And I forced two friends to go see it with me and they wanted to kill me afterwards. Yeah, I wouldn't I, be able to hold myself back. I would never I would never sit there and just smile and lie to somebody that and said, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a good movie. I just can't. I can't do that if I didn't like it. Um, yeah. Or if they hated it. Now, I mean, that's actually, if anything, the biggest issue they've had with, when we're doing things with Teal is we tend to agree too much on the show. We never have these big uh, Siskel and Ebert knockout, dragout fights, which mm. they always felt so genuine. That was what was so great about watching them is that they really had very specific opinions on movies. It's and, yeah, and I appreciated that too. It was just it was it was so amazing that some you know two really intelligent uh, people who who have liked movies that I you know each have liked movies that I've I've loved. But for them to all of a sudden split on something and then focus on the reasons why when they're both watching the same movie, I thought that was that was a pretty wonderful dynamic. It was totally new for me, like as a kid, to yeah. see that, that the yeah. idea that I had to reevaluate why I liked or didn't like something. Uh, but when I when I revisit the Siskel stuff, I find myself siding with Ebert 99 percent of the time. I would tend to agree. At least as a kid, I always, I mean, we always had a preference, right? And I right. always liked Ebert. But, you know, sometimes uh, Siskel really championed something that I enjoyed too. So I, I, I liked them both. And it was very sad when each went away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. that was, those were tough things for me, like to have people that were idols. I mean, I, the, the reason I got really interested in film was because I got obsessed with watching that show. It became a, a part uh, or like a, a, a an additional portion of the filmmaking viewing experience where either before or after you watch the movie, you'd have to watch the, you know, the, that would be a counterpart to it. Just checking out their opinion of it. I thought. Now, did you like Palm Springs? 
Uh, I really did like Bomb Strikes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I liked it. I, I did. I mean, I haven't thought about it a ton since I saw it, uh, but right. I did enjoy it, but it did make me think about one thing. And it was just mm-hmm. in the state of, I guess, movies in general, but especially comedies. You know, we, we talked, we started talking about the 70s and we, we who knows, I don't know how much time we're going to get to the 80s, but think <laughs> about those movies that were very quotable. I feel like movies today, I'd be hard pressed to quote any of them. They don't have the funny lines. I couldn't think of one line that I could quote to you from Palm Springs. It's very conversational and, and you know, relationship banter and stuff like that. So I don't, yeah, there's not Is a Is that lot something of, new? Maybe that's just how it's evolved in screenwriting. It's not really focused on maybe. little moments with great lines or just the is experience different? Because I mean, I think of movies like Stripes and even like the Austin Powers movies, the fun of those movies is quoting lines back years later. Right. That's a fact, Jack. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Thank you, Bill Murray. Um, there was a movie that, like, my family, and this is probably why the drive-ins became something important for us, is they loved Bill Murray because, you know, Saturday yes. Night Live. They yep. were young parents. Uh, well, my mom mm. is still fairly young because she's still alive. My father's not. But uh, mm. we went opening night at Woburn, and we very rarely went to the movies at night, but we went and saw Stripes as a family. And there were more than uh, one person kind of looking at my parents like, why do you have young kids here? Oh, I would have yeah. been almost 11 and my sister would have been almost nine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, after that, they were kind of like, well, maybe we should just see these types of movies at the drive-ins. Not because they cared about us seeing them or not. It's just that the, it's hard when parents are staring at you like, why are you bringing kids, you you evil people? And the fake mustaches are much more effective through car windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I saw Stripes on the drive-in probably three times. I uh, We loved it. We loved it. Because we didn't have, you know, the, the early 80s. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit when you came on a year ago, uh, but I didn't have a VCR totally early you know, like 83, 84. Yeah. So before that, having Stripe show as a second feature at the drive-in, that was gold. Yeah. That, that's pretty much all it took to get us there. Yeah, we'd stay for all the movies. And of course, my and I realize now is because my parents were fairly young. Me, I, now like the drive-ins are so far away, except for this one that they opened up in our town center, but they only show one movie, which I already feel like is a cheat. Oh, really? Oh. Well, you know, they don't get the whole drive-in concept. I mean- We have the Minden twin down here, which is uh, the owner- has uh, had a little bit of controversy. Um, to go to the Menden Twin once in a while. And they did a lot of, you know, things to keep that uh, popular. And they were actually doing a lot of retro screenings before a lot of other drive-ins were. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, I applaud all their efforts to make the drive-in an event. And I I, I, I haven't been there in years because I don't live in Massachusetts anymore. But I did go see Guardians of the Galaxy there with uh, some Storm Chaser movie. <laughs> Oh, more recent than me. I think I saw Pirates of the Caribbean 2 there the last time I was there. It's probably, I think I saw Pirates of the Caribbean 2 there as well. Huh, maybe the same night, just like on Friday the 13th. If it was opening night, maybe. <laughs> it was. I was still dating my wife at the time when we went and saw that. Uh, don't know what it was playing with, but uh, it was probably not too good. Uh, my wife wouldn't sit through two movies in a row. Um, oh, she wouldn't, would she? No, no. <laughs> so, so our driving experience is much like uh, <laughs> the. Um, She's checking her watch. Is it time to go yet? Yeah, she, I mean, it's just an attention span thing. It's well, but like, I mean, look, we're not we're not kids anymore, and you know, to stay up for two movies and then drive home—that's right. a lot, you know. You know, I brought blow up pillows. Right, just go to sleep. I'll watch the other movie. <laughs> 
I think my sister and I, we bond over this thing where when we were really little, uh, and this is probably in that 76. So like, imagine we were at the mm-hmm. Chelmsford Drive-In. We've just seen Peter Pan first and Escape to Witch Mountain. My sister's probably passed out before it's over, but I always was right there. I waited for her to go to sleep in the second feature so I could move up into the middle yeah. between the two yep. front seats and watch. And it's that drive home, which is about 20, 25 minutes from where we live to go to the Chelmsford Drive-In. You get, we brought your pillow from your bed and you just sack out. And then you know that you're getting closer to home and you're going to have to get out of the car and brush your teeth and go to bed. And all you want to do is to have something magically <laughs> move you from the car to the bed. Oh, but that feeling, that's that's like the greatest sleep of your life is that car ride I, f- home. I totally forgot about that. You're right. I remember that distinctly. Yeah. We had the uh, we had a lot of station wagons. So we had I was going to say I didn't have a station wagon, but a lot back. of friends did and you and you could like fold the seats back mm-hmm. and back then like I guess if you were in a car crash, kids would just go flying all over the place cuz you didn't wear seatbelts no, and we were all the, disposable cattle back then. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I, I I don't know anybody personally that had a bad accident because I always thought, no. well, then, you know, you must never have accidents because we're not wearing seatbelts. Right. The previous generation was so much more careful. <laughs> Our bones were tougher. Yeah. <laughs> and we had the pillows. So That's that true. Could just <laughs> but, uh, oh, I have so many memories of the drive-in. You, you talked about that that awful, shocking uh, moment where you mm-hmm. walked in and saw this other one. And, you know, when I always reference the Chelmsford for drive-in because that was our go-to. And they had, you know, two distinct sides and there was a fence and then there was the projection booth slash snack bar in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so when the first movie was over, you'd go out to go to the bathroom. And of course, uh, for men, it was pretty fast yep. because they had oh, all these urinals. Right. And stuff. But, right. but for my mom yeah. and my sister, they had to wait in the super long line. And then the mm-hmm. goal was I wait out there and then you have to get into the long line to buy the snacks before the next show. And then, the, you know, I always wanted to get out of that so that I could get back to watch the previews because that I lived for. Yeah. And they used to have like, you know, five or 10 previews. And then there's like just two minutes till showtime. Yeah, the countdown stuff was great. And sometimes, you know, if the film on the other side finished first, the second movie might be starting while your movie was in intermission. And so I would sometimes, usually the other side, right, was not a kid's movie. It was like some, uh, you know, rated R fair. And there was one time in particular that I was sitting there, whatever movie I was watching, I was waiting and hoping that the other movie got out first, had its previews, and started the main feature because they were showing the Blue Lagoon. Oh. I remember the previews for that. I wanted to see this Blue Lagoon, right, so much. (laughs) It was 1980, right? So Blue Lagoon starts, and I'm waiting for my mom and sister. And I think they even go to the snack bar. I'm like, no, 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 you guys go. I'll just wait for you here. So I'm like, how far can I get into the the Blue Lagoon before things start happening? And I started watching it. You know, it it opens up. It's very classic. It's beautiful looking, like shot, amazing. Mm -hmm. I think by Caleb Dachanel. I was actually nominated for like uh, cinematography and stuff. And the story's pretty good, you know, and watching it. And I was actually getting engrossed in the story and Mm -hmm. thinking, well, I don't know why is movie like, you know, so controversial and stuff. It's pretty good. And then, then they came and I had to go and watch my other movie. And I remember them dragging me. And I'm like, but, 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 but Brooke Shields hasn't done anything yet. Right. <laughs> you know, I just want to go back. Uh, but I lived for those brief moments where I could get to watch a couple of illicit moments from whatever was happening on the other screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a peek into another world that you're sort of like being protected from. Yeah. Um, I, I, that, that's, uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the places. And you mentioned Fangoria too. Fangoria, I would always, if I saw a Fangoria or a Mad Magazine, that's, I'd just park down and just start reading, reading those. I wouldn't get all the references, but with the pictures in Fangoria, I'd be like, oh, there's tons of movies out there that I'd, I'm not seeing. <laughs> 
they used to sell it at Osco Drug and we'd go there for mm. you know, whatever. And I would go right to the magazines and look up at Fangoria. And I kind of became obsessed. I don't know how this fed my film obsession because I, quite honestly, if anybody knows me now, I'm not really a super big horror guy. And mm. I think it's a phase you go through as a kid because part of it was that you got initiated into the world of special effects. Yeah, and right. so what I liked about Fangoria was looking at seeing what the makeup masters were doing. And yeah, I wanted to see those is, movies, yeah. not because I really like horror movies. I wanted to see those scenes. I think Teal and I both shared that aspect where we really wanted to go see the horror movies to see what some razzle-dazzle effect was. Mm-hmm. So my parents, I think, thought I really liked horror and that I liked movies and maybe I wanted to be a makeup artist or something. So that was part of how I got to see these horror movies because they saw how invested I was in reading the Fangoria magazine. Mm-hmm. And then I got a subscription to it. So I didn't miss an eps- an, an issue. Oh, wow. And that's why I couldn't wait. I was like, mom, 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 children of the corn. It's going to be at Stoneham. <laughs> got to go see it. And the, but you're right. The draw, the draw of seeing them sculpt these practical effects from what looked like clay, right? It just sort of triggered this primal response where, I mean, the joy of just working with with uh, with uh, solid materials like clay, like when you're a kid, you know, some people are more adept at it than others, but to know that like, so I could have taken this Play-Doh and turned it into Rawhead Rex. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and they base, that's basically what they're doing. They're using different, you know, a, a larger palette, but it's, it's making something from a lump of clay. There's something so primal and wonderful about it. And, and it, you know, that just makes the practical effects for me still so much more impressive. Not that there's amazing 3D artists out there, but. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we look, we've been talking for a while and now I realize I could just keep talking to you about all these things. And I just think it's fair that we'll, we, I'd rather have people left with more uh, so we can have more stuff. So you can go back and go, man, I really want to continue talking about goofy things like the drive-ins and stuff. Maybe, maybe I'll, I can get back on there. Did anyone ever ride those swings? <laughs> <laughs> I did. The Chelmsford Drive-In had one. Oh, did one. you? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Before, well, you know, sometimes those movies didn't start to like nine and there was a time where you could go and uh, my sister and I would go and sometimes we'd meet kids there and like, you know, for like 20 minutes, they suddenly became your best friend. I never saw anyone use it. I just thought that there was a city ordinance where they couldn't remove the park, so they built a drive-in well, around maybe it. Depending, <laughs> maybe depending on where you went. The Chelsea drive-in, like, see, my parents were a picky because some drive-ins, like, were really run down in the early 80s. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah, and so sure. the Chelmsford Drive-In was really clean. But like when we got into full on me being obsessed with movies, that Friday, I went through the, the motion picture guide and I found like every drive-in. And I'd look and see what one had the perfect combination. Unless it yeah. was like over an hour away or something, I'd be like, mom, they're, they're playing it here, dad. And we would try to go. So I went to I went to like a good dozen different drive-ins. The Starlight and Reading, I'm sure, right? That one was great. The Starlight, which wasn't one of my favorites, but we went there. And then also there's one in Bill Rick of the Pinehurst. They showed a Pinehurst lot of horror movies. It was yep, scary because it was all mm-hmm. woodsy and it was just a single screen. I think I saw The Shining there. You might have. Yeah. Yep. I saw Alien there. Oh, oh that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I was just telling my son, because he just turned 12, mm. and I said, do you know what I did on my 12th birthday? I said it was 1982, and my dad took me and my friend Glenn to the drive-ins, and we saw uh, The Thing and Cat People. Oh, that's a great double <laughs> like, bill. You know, and like that's just the difference. That was back then. That was what we did. I was like, yeah, go to the drive-ins. I saw Road Warrior at the drive-ins. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I had so many. And again, I didn't care that 
the picture was usually dark. Um, I mean, the experience that you had to Wellington, they probably just hadn't changed the projection lamp so long. So you get a, like a, a low grade movie, like Friday the 13th, add that like flickering projection lamp. And now you have just like this scary experience where you're like, I think I saw a lady's head cut off, but I'm not sure. I saw something happen. Do hands still move after the head is removed? <laughs> or is that a glitch in the uh, projector? Yeah. Yeah, to me, the only way you should ever see those Friday the 13th movies is just like at the drive-in. It's the perfect venue. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it definitely, everything about it, just being outdoors and feeling like I can't run anywhere still. <laughs> I can't run away from my own head. Yeah, it was great. Or that someone could sneak up and like come aside you in the car and just like pop out and go, rah. Right. But, and you're right though, in the 80s, they, they did start to degenerate in, in the uh, early to, to mid 80s and then slowly disappear. I mean, the Wellington one started, I guess, as a money grab. Started. Well, they call it the Passion Pit is what they called that place. And they called a lot of them, but that, I remember my mom always saying, oh, <laughs> I well, wish I knew that. what's playing at the Passion Pit? I know we were too young to really experience the drive-ins the way a lot I know. of other people did. <laughs> you know, by the time I was old enough to experience the drive-ins that way, they were already starting to fade. I think I mentioned it last time that I was I made a silent promise to myself. I said, as soon as I get a, a driver's license, I'm just going to be at the drive-in all the time. This drive-in here, the aforementioned Passion Pit, which I didn't realize it was called that. <laughs> yes, and just I'll just like that'll just be my thing that I do all the time. I'll just it'll be perfect. I'll just be here in the open air watching movies all day with friends or you know whatever. It just but then it went away. Yeah, my senior year of high school, so right before college, I had a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, we went to the drive-ins a few times and we didn't really mm. see much of the movies. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty wild stuff. And I'm yep. like, oh, this must have been what was going on in those vans. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, darkness works anywhere, indoors or outdoors. Yeah. And this when you add like, a lot of steam to the windows, no one knows what's happening. <laughs> this is what undercover of night means. <laughs> so I guess, you know, the lesson we learned from here is that people were like, oh, I want to go to the drive-ins now that Mike and James have made it sound right. so cool. Please, drive-ins, make a return. You yes. can go because that's really where <laughs> movies are at. Like here, this is wild. A couple of weeks ago. The number one film at the box office, and I'm not lying about this. I know. Yeah, was Empire I mean, Strikes Back. That's amazing. They released yeah. it to drive-ins. And so yeah. I think it made like, you know, like $80,000. But right. like that's, you know, that's where the money was coming from was all the drive-ins. Yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah. I wish they would like at the drive-ins like show like uh, the Tommy Wiseau, The Room or something. <laughs> Rock and roll nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Like something like that. Because I remember some comedies are just really, really funny at the drive-in. And there's something about hearing laughter from other cars. Yeah. That's really yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Do you oh, know? I think so Rocky Horror Picture Show would be great. Yeah, because then you could you could squirt each other in the car and mm -hmm. throw rice at each just other. Just run around. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just out yeah, out all the virgins who had their first Rocky Horror Picture experience. Uh, and you, you know, it's funny. It was, we, did, we did an episode on that like a, a year ago. And mm -hmm. um, did you ever go to down in Harvard Square to the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I had friends that went. I never went myself. Really? So when was the first time you ever saw it? On Laserdisc, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, not Laserdisc. No, it must have been VHS. If you see it that way, you're probably like, why is this thing popular? No, because I had heard the stories about it and the experience surrounding the live show uh, prior to actually finally seeing it from beginning to end as a movie. So I never really expected to see it as a as a straightforward narrative story. You the know, first just, 45 minutes of that movie are gold. It yeah. just gets a little long. And no matter how many times you see it, the second half is just really not that great. There's a devolution that goes on, I think, a little bit as far as energy. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But then, um, 
but it's uh it's kind of wonderful that such a thing even exists and especially for the time that it was out and popular and but i do it's one of the live experiences that i regret not um experiencing myself firsthand yeah i've I'm, again i i i'm not going to repeat for for listeners out there i have plenty of stories from there <laughs> and uh and again this is exactly why i i will will cherish the day that I can go back to the theater and, uh, you know, and again, my precious Somerville Theater, uh, if everything's, uh, you know, if we get things back on track next spring and if they're still around, which I hope they are, they're going to do their 70 millimeter festival and they want to do all the movies that they were going to show this spring, which I mean, you know, I was so freaking excited to see streets of fire <laughs> i just got a reminder was that last week i got a reminder on my phone she said streets of fire is some of all and i was so sad <laughs> i wanted to see that in me the too theater. it's like i have certain bucket list movies that i never saw in the theater i want to see in the theater and that is one of the movies right me too yep that was i know we, we had talked about that but that's uh for, for a variety of reasons but i feel like if you go to that right yeah it's gonna have fans right so you're gonna have everybody right. in there that gets it the way that i get the movie you'll see yeah there'll, there'll be a teetering energy that comes from the seats that, that that will share in the appreciation and you can join in that so hopefully if it comes out it comes at a time when you're able to go hopefully that would be a time where you could actually go there and i would see you there because i'm guaranteeing you i will be geeking out if i get to see streets of fire <laughs> They could do a Walter Hill double bill, right? Do that in Warriors. Oh, that would be a great double feature. I mean, and one's in 70 millimeter, one's not. But, uh, but you know, it's like you. That was one of those movies that was a mystique of mystery because right. I didn't know anything about the movie, but I did know about the news reports that I hear about the controversy that gang fights were happening. And I couldn't yeah. understand why a movie would cause all that. And then I saw the movie, you know, finally, and I still couldn't understand why it would cause all that. But, uh, you know, it, it's enjoyable. And I only watched it a couple of years ago again because my wife had never seen it and she wanted to watch it. So that movie represents, uh, uh, we, you talked about last episode with your, your buddy um, about your NYU experience. So New York to me was this magical place that I wanted to go to as a kid. And there were two <laughs> things that fed what I thought New, New York, York was. was at that time. Yeah. So it was it was the Warriors with the gangs everywhere and crime and all that. And there's a reading is fundamental commercial riff. I, I, I know, I know the riff. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's this kid walking around with this great narration. He's walking around what I think is the Bronx. And uh, all of a sudden this van pulls up and it opens the back doors and a bunch of kids swarm the van. And it's just a, uh, it's just a moving, uh, a roving uh, library. We can just go and pick out books. So it shows you all the kids grabbing a book. Then he jumps out of the van, runs down to the waterfront under the bridge and is just reading a book. And I'm just like, this why why was I cursed with not this life? Like this sounds <laughs> like that's the New York that I wanted, just sort of like that sort of it's it's massive, it's huge, but you can have these quaint, quiet moments of solitude under uh, a massive bridge by by the by the river in New York with billions of people surrounding you. And I don't know, those two movies fed this mystique about New York to me, and that's that's why I'm so jealous of your NYU days. <laughs> well, I mean, you should be. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> now, you know what? It I was mean, very close to that, Mike. <laughs> I mean, you can see that the film school experience did not get me a job in film, um, but it did some. I mean, I did go to school with one pretty famous cat, uh, the, the M. Night somebody. Uh, he made the sixth sense, I think. Oh, just a first letter for a name? Okay, interesting. <laughs> uh, but, I, but the funny part is, is that he was in my first like real film class, and mm. just like anybody else there, unless he wasn't in part of my crew, yeah. somebody a few years later had to tell me, oh, don't you remember him that he was in the class? And that's the whole point is that none of us 
had been anything. So you, you don't really know, if you didn't know somebody well, didn't mean you really ever knew right. that they were going to be anybody. Um, and I have a few people that I know uh, there, but it really was more about that experience that you just mentioned. Being in New York, it was overwhelming at times. Mm. It's an energy that kind of, it feels like the force, it flows within you. Yeah. But it really did, I, I have to describe it in any ways that when I would, get into Manhattan, like be driven back in after a break or something. I felt that swell of energy and excitement. Mm -hmm. And I felt that it really just kind of pulsated within me. And the experiences I have, it was just different because I went to a, uh, you know, an on-campus college for my first year. I went to University of Southern California. You don't get any more sort of college campusy than that. Yeah. And so I know what that was and it wasn't what my experience in, in a city like New York was. But just the, the the opportunity to have, like I, I was so jealous even back then uh, of just people who, who could uh, acquire a certain familiarity with something so massive and I mean overwhelmingly, there's overwhelming culture there and activity and and potential in, in New York. I mean, this is the mystique of it. I'm just yeah, and some of that you know it's funny when I was so when I would be there after that like energy when it's when it's in you and you kind of level off. I remember day to day, I would be walking around and going, this just feels normal. It doesn't feel as cool and, and weird and mysterious as it does from afar. That trash smell never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you don't know what it's what that what's really like day to day. But then I would mm -hmm. go home and I'd see how different it was like back in Massachusetts. Yeah. And I'd realize how different it was. And I feel like when I was telling a story about it. I wasn't making it or embellishing it up. It's just, I realized, wow, you know, it's, it is cool. And then a few years later passes mm. and things start to change. And of course, after 9-11, so much of New York changed that it really cemented the time and place that I was at. Yeah. That I really look at it in a very nostalgic way. Yeah. Um, and it just, there's things, there's just practices, there's stories. So much isn't even the same anymore. Um, and just kind of the mores of people. Are different yeah. because the bars because you didn't have to drive anywhere they didn't care how old you were they really didn't card yeah and it wasn't a big deal so like it wasn't like oh i'm going into a bar you just went to a bar to hang out and have drinks and it wasn't like oh my gosh i'm not 21 and i'm drinking like nobody really thought of it that way yeah that's a very european it thing really yeah, it was it was kind of a european experience not not, and, not in an exclusionary sort of way but just sort of like uh this isn't a big deal right you know yeah and you felt like a you you felt like you were getting a chance to sort of have training wheels to be an adult kind of thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I felt like I mean the way the kids acted within each other was pretty mature. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean you know I'll, I'll have some more stories I think that I'll trudge out from time to time. Uh, yeah. But but uh, you know do them sparingly <laughs> so people can savor like maybe one story a, a show. <laughs> right. All right. But, uh, but hey, man, I, I really appreciate getting a chance to kind of like, you know, talk to you a little bit more about our, our, our pastimes of enjoying meeting of the drive-ins. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and anytime. other things. And I know like, you know, we had this show that we, we, we I sort of, again, we, we, we mentioned Palm Springs, but we didn't really get into the finer details. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that was, that was the germ of this whole thing? You know, maybe we'll mention Palm Springs and then from that spiral, we'll just uh, go. From well, I thought maybe we'd get into a whole time loop thing um, on the subgenre, but that's uh, right. you know, I mean, uh, we didn't really talk about Palm Springs that I know. Much. Well, that's the classic part of the show. I, I mentioned that there's shows. Some person wants to hear about Palm Springs. They'll be like, I don't know. Do, do I want to watch it? I don't know from what I just heard. They didn't tell me anything. Ultimately, I really enjoyed it. And I thought that they uh, 
they took a kind of a unique focus on that genre, if it is considered a genre. Although there's at least ten movies that have the uh, that sort of like a re- re- repeat the day for a certain reason uh, technique or, or yeah, uh, and for plot. some reason it still works. I mean, I I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I thought that Kristen Milioti uh, she, she was great, she's spunky and fun. Like I, I liked I liked the way she her take on her character. Yeah, it could seem like it's like she's sort of like uh, maybe uh, detached or whatever at the beginning, but then then you realize, okay, again, no spoilers, but she's uh, her character is very nuanced, and as a performer, she was uh, uh, she got to reveal a lot towards the end, which was uh, surprisingly and uh, uh, surprising and refreshing, uh, just from a character and an actor standpoint. Yes, even though it parts, it, believe it or not, it seemed very similar to the classic sequel to Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to you. You know, it's funny. As I said, I read a little bit about that after I watched uh, Palm Springs, and I haven't seen Happy Death Day. Is it? Would you consider that? Yeah. Oh, it's a total time loop. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's great. The first one I really kind of enjoyed. Second one, not as much so, but mm. it does sort of um, go into sort of the early '80s sci-fi um, college movie experience where everybody's using like physics and chemistry to solve a problem. Okay. <laughs> so I think, you know, you'll, you'll see it's like sort of like, what was that? Uh, my science project or something from. Oh boy. I, don't know, I, don't know. So I knew I'd get the eighties movies and stuff. Yeah. That and weird science and all that. weird. weird stuff. In the like, summer just, of 85. We were yeah, just that's right. <laughs> kids towards the end of the summer watching crap. Cause that's all the theaters were giving us. Right. Cause somehow technology will get you a girlfriend. Oh, I didn't get me one, but <laughs> I was, I was starved all most of the eighties. Um, okay. Well, this has been wonderful. And uh, any, do you need? Do you have anything? Do you want to plug to the people? Uh, no, my best to Teal, and uh, I hope to chat with uh, uh, Teal uh, sometime soon as well. Yeah, and hopefully it won't be a year before you come back on uh, next. Oh time. yeah, well that's my podcast and podcast appearance schedule. Oh, so. well, once a year, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Let appearance. me like flip my book. Let me see. Um, right. Yes, next uh, twenty twenty one August one weekend. I need a year to gather more experience. This stone needs moss. Well, I mean, now, I mean, I, I, I would next time I, I we didn't we really didn't craft much here. Um, and yet we still made a show, which is great. But I, I, I could, you know, do a little bit more right. work next time and craft something and say, you know, here, this is what we're going to like, you know, focus on. Yeah. Or you could you could edit it, too, and just swap words around. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of work. I'll take you out. And I have plenty of uh, tapes of Teal just saying, mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I actually thought of doing that once where I would just insert. It's sort of like one of those laugh tracks. Right. Do you want a couple of clean ones? <laughs> yeah. You don't say. Oh, I agree. I appreciate that. Good point. <laughs> Good point. You know, I never looked at it that way. Exactly. That's the one everybody always says that word. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes. Like an assertive yes. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, Jason's mom get her head cut off, but her hand still twitched? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I will look for you under a bridge whenever I see a bookmobile mm. come by. I'll be there. All right. <laughs> uh, well, good night to you, sir. And all of Thank you, you sir. out there, thanks for listening to Stuff We've Seen. And you can find us at StuffWe'seen.com. Uh, you can write to us at feedback at StuffWe'seen.com. And you can uh, check out our Instagram page and Twitter, even though, again, we don't really do much on the tweeting front. Talk to you all later. Go see some stuff in your living room <laughs> or at the drive-in. Your choice. Bye. <laughs>